Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter. That's right. It is still effing Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Michael Gallagher with Nashville Hockey Now. You can still follow me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore. When you write it for Nashville Hockey Now, go to Nashville Hockey Now, by the way. Get you like a little subscription there and, and hang out with the guys. Uh, when you write about something that you've seen on Twitter, do you do like as reported on X comma formerly known as Twitter or do you just say Twitter? I think I use, I think I just say Twitter. Um, actually, what I do is I don't even reference it. I just say as reported on social media and then I link <laughs> to the tweet. That way we can avoid it because... For 99.9% of everybody, it's still Twitter. But if you cite it as Twitter, depending on who your editor is, AP proper AP style says you have to say X comma formerly known as Twitter. That's yeah. the correct citation. But I just try to avoid it because it's it's stupid. It, it is quite stupid. No, but none of you folks who are claiming that it's X are walking around this city calling it Meta. You call it Facebook and you call it Instagram. You don't call it meta. All right. Just you also get into trouble too if you say as reported on x.com, because if you get people tapping in the search bars, who knows where you're <laughs> going. So it's just Elon Musk is an idiot. There's a lot of different combinations of X's that uh you just you just need to be in a, a very special place when you when you find those URLs. Anyway, lots of stuff to do on the show. Look, the predators are going to be an up and down team. We have warned you about this on the show. The entire preseason that there are going to be moments of of enjoyment and brilliance, and there are going to be moments of frustration. It might even go from period to period, from shift to shift. But that is going to be the nature of the game of this team. That is where they are as a franchise. And I have preached lowering expectations, which means last week on the show, slow start. But we like the underlying metrics. I know you were out of town. You're visiting some family. So good to have you back. And this week, we've got a couple of really nice performances to talk about. And there's some positivity and some some stuff that's that's on, on that end of the spectrum that also will not last. So this whole season is going to be about the roller coaster ride that we're all on from game to game, week to week, again, shift to shift. We're going to talk about some of the players that have come out hot and what are some ceilings for some of those guys. Kiefer Sherwood, Tommy Novak, Luke Evangelista, Colton Sissons, leading scorer, Colton Sissons on the team. So we'll discuss uh, that as well. Certainly Barry Trotz's desire or ability slash uh, willingness to work the waiver wire has added two more first round draft picks to the organization. So we'll get into what those guys could mean as well as some defense. Or is there going to be some defense around UC Saros? He certainly could use some. So before we do any of that, the gold standard is brought to you by the great people over at Jasper's. That's true. So I took my daughter before the Isabel concert last week because here's the here's the bottom line. Downtown, outside of Bridgestone Arena, the Ryman Auditorium, it is not a fun place to be, Michael. <laughs> it is not a fun place to be. So I'm not taking my daughter to go eat somewhere downtown. So I asked her, as I said on the show last week, I said, where do you want to go for your big date with dad to go to watch concert at the Ryman? She goes, yeah, I want to go to the place with games. So we go to Jasper's. We have a delicious burger. I have my shrimp and goodies, my standard order. She get, eats a delicious burger. We go to the game room. We play skee-ball, shuffleboard, air hockey. I Here's the thing. I did not let her win at shuffleboard, but I did let her win at air hockey. Is that the right strategy? I'll allow it. It's okay. I, I, I feel like... Yeah, let her let it win at something. You have to let them win. Otherwise, they're not going to be interested in doing anything with you, <laughs> um, as I've learned. But like shuffleboard, I draw the line. 
I'm not going to let you beat me at shuffleboard. I'm going to beat you at shuffleboard, honey. I love you, my seven-year-old daughter, but I had to beat you at shuffleboard. Jasper's game room is spectacular, and you know what? We yeah, I think in. you would take more pride in dominating in air hockey. Probably. Well, and she enjoys air hockey more. I enjoy the shuffleboard more. So we okay. we go we go in and we go in and we're like, I was like, uh, can we sit in that booth over there? And they're like, well, it's reserved for a a party. They do have bingo nights, by the way, every every other Thursday night. So did you um, ask them if they knew who you were? I mean, you should have a booth reserved in Jasper's as soon as you walk in the door. You have met me before. If I ever said that, my wife would slap me and divorce me <laughs> in a matter of seconds. Uh, no, I'm the the do you know who I am thing has never come out of my mouth. But I walk in and I was like, can we sit in the booth? There's one booth open. And he was like, actually, that's reserved. And he goes, but we have this whole restaurant. And I was like, I- I'm aware. Um, but my daughter was like, no, I want to watch the games because there was like the Preds game was on. There was a college football game on and there was a NFL game on. And she was like, no, she want to. She wanna, can we sit someplace so she can watch the games? And like, I think he looked at me like I didn't like what? I was like, yeah, my seven-year-old wants to watch the football game. Can you get it? Can we? So he gets us over to a tall top, and we end up having a great time. But I thought it was hilarious that the that the greeter, the host, did not understand that the seven-year-old wanted to watch sports. Like, we're at a sports bar. We're at the next evolution of the sports bar. What are we doing? I mean, it, it it's in the marketing of, of the restaurant. It I, is. I, I, I don't get it. It's for the whole family. It'll babysit your kids, and it's a sports bar. That's It's right there in the subhead of the web, website, you know? Go to Jasper's. Okay. So I was watching the team. They get a 4-1 win. Since the last time we were on, they dominate Peter LaViolette, which is hilarious to me. A uh, 4-1 <laughs> win over the Rangers. Uh, they move to 2-3. and three. Then they dominate San Jose, who is a very bad hockey team at home. Um, they go move to 3-3. Three and three. And then they get down 3-1 to Vancouver on Tuesday evening. Yeah, they, they score late in the second period to make it a closer game, but they never really challenge in the third period. And... Uh, there's lots to discuss about this because the power play found some life through this process as well. They win a couple of games. I just found myself, Michael, watching the entire week of action. Watching even just within the game against the Rangers, within the game against the Sharks, and within the game against Vancouver, there's just times where it looks disjointed and you're sort of like, this is random and weird and two guys are in the same place and it's not supposed to be that way. And then it looks like it's working and it just looks so good when it's working the pressure, the number of shot attempts, the the pace, the speed, the tempo. I think all of this is to say there's going to be so many moments of good, and we'll discuss a lot of that on the show today, but you have to understand that it's going to come with moments of disorganization and uh, you know weird positioning and spacing. It just... It was super fun for two games and then not for another game. And I think that's going to be the way the season's going to go. It's just, I think that's what fans need to be sort of accepting of at this point, even though we're only two weeks into the season. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of ups and downs with this team. And also something to keep in mind, too, is just the quality of opponent. New York, San Jose, probably not up there in the top teams in the league. Vancouver, at least through the first six, seven games of the year, Vancouver looks like a really good team. And it it was frustrating, I'm sure, for fans watching the game last night. But I mean, look, Vancouver took two games from Edmonton, the first two games of the year. They have wins over Florida and Nashville. Like they look like they're a really good team. And and Andrew Burnett even said that Vancouver did to the Predators what the Predators want to do to everyone else. You frustrate them defensively. You go at them offensively. And we saw that 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 strategy works. It just so happens Nashville was on the losing end of it last night. And it's like it was funny because you're watching. 
and and you 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 almost sort of see you also got to keep in mind too Samuel Fagimo's in Philip Tomasino's out Kiefer Sherwood Colton Sissons is kind of moving up into the top six playing random lines Cole Smith had a two goal night like there's there's a lot of crazy stuff to take into account <laughs> there's a lot of mixing and matching with the lines in the forward group even looking at line rushes today Cole Smith is on the top line with O'Reilly and Forsberg Tomasino is in on the bottom line with McCarron and Fagimo like Trennan and Sissons and Nyquist is your second line. And granted, they're just line rushes in practice. Their next game is on Saturday. So take that with a grain of salt. But Andrew Burnett still isn't. I, the Predators still haven't found their groove because there's still a lot to figure out with this team. There's a lot to figure out roster wise. They just claim Liam Fodi. You have Samuel Fagima, who's only been in for two games. Like there's a lot. There's a lot going on. So, yes, it's going to be frustrating. There's probably going to be some interchangeability with the forward combinations maybe even with the defensive pairings, which I think needs to happen, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So just just grit it out, have patience. It will get better. These will become more consistent performances. But I think you've seen through the first six games or first seven games, it's at least more entertaining to watch than what they were doing last year. I've got a list of sentences that you just uttered that I'm going to ask you to rank, like rank them on like odds that this was a thing we were going to talk about on the show two two weeks in. But okay. here's here's one of my favorite lines from the last week was the captain uh, for New York uh, and a uh, Peter Laviolette coach for, uh, hockey team. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, outworked, outbattled, outplayed. I think if that is the phrase that the other team's captain is using to describe a game against your team, you should be excited and proud about where the te- about the style of play that they are putting on the ice. To your point, you have to be willing to accept big swings in results. 6-1 to Edmonton, 4-1 to the Rangers, 4-1 over San Jose. And making San Jose a team that we know is clearly the worst, one of the worst, if not the worst, in the Western Conference. Making the, like Showing the fact that you clearly look like the better team, even when there's a few moments of like miscommunication or spacing problems, that throughout the, throughout the course of that 60 minutes, they were clearly the better hockey team. That, I think, is also a big sign for a team that is clearly in rebuilding mode, trying to find itself, find its roster, find its system, and it's not necessarily a playoff team. So I think there's there's plenty of positive to be taken from the last week. Let me rank some, let me ask you to, I'm going to put some sentences out there. So Cole Smith took 82 games to score four goals. <laughs> Cole Smith had a, two, here's my sentences, okay? Just wait till the end and I want you to rank them. Cole Smith had a two goal game, which he did against the Rangers. Phila Tomasino, has been a healthy scratch for three straight games. Colton Sissons, second-line center, Colton Sissons, leading the team in goals. Tommy Novak picked up right where he left off last, last season. Are there any more sentences I need to throw out here? How are, how are uh, we ranking uh, Matt, these? Matt, Matt Benning and Luke Cunning got tribute videos. <laughs> I still can't hear that sentence without laughing. Uh, of all those, like which one is the most surprising to you right now? Honestly, the the cunning the cunning Benning <laughs> tribute video because I I didn't even think that there was enough video footage to put together a tribute for both players. Uh, um, other than that, I would say probably a tie between Cole Smith's two goal game and Colton Sisson's leading the team in goals. Not to say that Cole Smith is this terrible player, but he's not known for his offense. To, to see him have a two goal game, that breakaway he scored on was was really nice. Um, I, I think uh, I think that's kind of 
I wouldn't say I would completely bet against it because it's Cole Smith. So who knows what's going to happen with him? It seems like he's always doing something that you're just like, how is this guy still in the lineup? But there's there's always reasons to keep him around. But I didn't I didn't think Colton Sissons would be leading the team in goals. And I did not think Colton Sissons would be playing in the top six. So Tommy Novak leading the team in goals, I, I would say, is less surprising. I, I kind of figured he would pick up where he left off. I didn't think there would be a huge drop off. Um but I, but I thought I really thought at this point, you know, seven games in, Philip Forsberg would have three or four goals by now. But that's that's kind of my biggest surprise. But yeah, I would I would say the the Cunning Benning tribute video is probably the most surprising, followed by either Colton Sissons leading the team in goals or Cole Smith's two goal game. And so I guess to your point, it should not be a surprise that Philip Tomasino is a healthy scratch, considering his his like career in Nashville. Right? I I'm a little surprised by that. Um, and it says a lot about the style of player that Andrew Brunette is looking for, that Cole Smith has scored twice. Kiefer Sherwood has scored multiple times now, two games in a row. Had the Gordie Howe hat trick, of course, against San Jose within like a nine-minute window, too, by the way. Like one of the fastest Gordie Howe hat tricks I've ever seen. The last Tanner Janot did it, and Luke, ironically, Luke Cunnan did it. The last two guys that have done the Gordie Howe hat trick, which is the goal, the assist, and the five-minute fighting major, all, again, in one 10-minute period of time. Uh, in that game against San Jose. Uh, how about this? I could add this one. Five power play goals in three games. That was the stretch there before they lost to Vancouver. The power play found, and it was like based off of good quality puck movement as well. <laughs> so so I'm not sure. Yeah. That one also is in the mix. I You didn't say Tomasino. Why not? I just, something in something in me just kind of feels like, and we've seen this, it's not just, an issue exclusive to Philip Tomasino. We've seen it with with this franchise before where you have a highly hyped up, highly touted prospect, an offensive prospect, and they're they're whatever you want to call it, rushing them to the to the NHL, not knowing what to do with them, whatever it is. We've just seen that the Predators have, have a history of kind of fumbling these kinds of situations. Obviously, Ellie Tolvanen is the big shining example of this, but I just I just kind of felt like in the preseason, Philip Tomasino had a lot of scoring chances. He had a lot of shots on goal. He also had a lot of shots that missed the net completely, but he was generating scoring chances. I think he put maybe one of those in the back of the net. And Andrew Burnett kind of said, I'm not worried about Tomasino. The goals will come as long as the chances keep coming. And once he said that, I don't know what it is, if it was just this vibe I got from him, or if it was just like that's coach speak for, oh, yeah, he's not producing, so we're we're going to have him on a short leash just because that's just kind of what a lot of coaches do. I just kind of felt like if he didn't start scoring immediately within the first four or five games, it was a possibility that he could be benched. He has been. I think they need to figure out what they want to do with him because he is one of the three players on the roster that's waiver exempt. So if he's not going to play, send him to Milwaukee, get him regular playing time, get his confidence back. Because the more he sits on the bench and he watches Michael McCarron and Cole Smith and Kiefer Sherwood play while he's sitting there not doing anything, you're going to rattle the kid's confidence. And look, Luke Shen's on IR. You you just claim Fody. You have Fagimo. Like, you're going to have to make a roster decision at some point. So if, if you're not going to put him in the lineup, and again, he was skating. Uh, he was doing taking line rushes today, so he might be in on Saturday. But if you're not going to put him in the lineup, send the kid back to Milwaukee. Don't just keep him in the dark wondering what if. They have a five-game road trip out west. Of course, they'll go Seattle, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg. So it's a, a lot of hockey on the road coming up. I think Vancouver is the last one there, I believe. Um, or no, sorry, Saturday they'll play Toronto, and then they go on the five-game road trip. I apologize. Um, and, and like I, I, to your point, I am not surprised that this is what's happening because it's the thing that happens. 
But I am surprised that it's this coach, this situation, Tomasino, and honestly, this fast into the season. That's the concern. Is that by game four, you were already ready to go with a line of McCarron, Trennan, and Cole Smith? It's already clear that that's better. And to be fair, like McCarron drew the penalty that got the power play goal against San Jose. Trennan is has the puck in the offensive zone all the time because he's got, I think he's like 16, 17 shots on the season. And Cole Smith had a two goal game. So like, you can't argue that they didn't, they haven't produced at least in this chunk of time, but I'm surprised that it happened so fast. That that's my issue is that by the fourth game, we're already healthy scratching the guy that we've been debating for two years. That's not a good, that's, that's not a good sign. That's the confusing part about this too. And and look, if you're if you want the kid to produce, how is he gonna how is he going to produce if he's on the bench? That's what I don't understand. If if okay, you may be healthy scratching for a game or two, send a message, put him back in there, see how he responds. But the fact that you not only did you bench him, but in that time you also claimed a former first round pick who also plays forward, who is probably going to be in there, maybe not, you know, this week or next week, but he's going to be in there at some point. You just put Fagimo into the lineup. Cole Smith and Kiefer Sherwood are playing pretty well. Like you call it Michael McCarron. Like where where is there room for Philip Tomasino? I just I wonder what's happening with him. And I and I heard that he wasn't really in a in a chatting mood this week with reporters after practices and stuff. And and who could blame him? I mean, send him back to Milwaukee, put him in the lineup, or trade him. This is this is what frustrates fans so much is when when they go out and they they draft a forward or they trade for a forward someone like this and they just don't know what to do with them and, and i i wrote a story over the summer saying that philip tomasino was going to brunette going to benefit tremendously from having andrew brunette and we thought that was going to be the case and that that hasn't happened yet I, he, I just, he I lost just he lost some he lost some weight michael yeah he lost probably five to ten pounds he became faster because he knew Andrew Burnett's system is predicated on using your speed and pushing the tempo and stuff like that. Philip Tomasino has done everything right. He, the only thing that he hasn't done is capitalize on his chances. And I think he only had two shots on goal through the first three games, four games, however many games it was. I feel like it was a little bit premature. You probably pulled the plug on him a little bit too quickly, but I mean, there, there might not uh, be room in this predators lineup the way it is. Now you get, you get Fody in there. Fagima plays well. I mean, what, what are you going to do with him? Well, I just sort of rattled off why that line the McCarran line has done well, and that doesn't include Kiefer Sherwood, who's done well. And we'll, we're going to talk about some of these guys, Novak, Sherwood, Evangelista, like what are what is their actual ceiling for an 82-game season? Um, because there there is some positives. They put Fagimo in the lineup, and he scores on the back at, backside of a power play right away because the two things we know about these two guys, and we'll, I guess we can talk about Barry Trotz's willingness to use the waiver wire, it, which I think tells us two very important things about the team. One good and one not so good. Uh, one is like, first of all, Fagimo, what do we all know about him? Great shot. Great shot. Great shot. Well, then he gets the, he gets the puck on a power play and the shot comes to life and it, and it, and it did deflect off a stick, but it goes in. What's the thing we know about foodie speed, 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 speed. So we'll see what that looks like when he gets into the lineup. If, if he does I, two things for me about Barry Trotz using the waiver wire. Number one, I, I appreciate a general manager and a coach who is willing to take chances to make themselves better. I think that's positive. I think that's good. And if you're benefiting from other teams' numbers games because they just don't have spots for guys, great. Great. That's good. Number two, not a great thing for your roster to be in a position where you can go to the waiver wire and find two starting players two weeks into the season. It's not a good statement about where your roster is in general. Uh, But I think it's positive that he's willing to do it. Barry Trotz, that is. Um, Here's the question for you. 
How many first round picks are now in the organization? I don't even know. I haven't had a chance to look and count them all up, but I, I know Foodie was a first rounder. Fagima was a second rounder. So, I mean, you add in at least one more. There's the five that are playing in Milwaukee. I mean, Fagima you know. was a second rounder. Are you sure? Yeah. All right, I'm going to double check that. I thought he was a first round pick. Back check me, bro. <laughs> Damn. I appreciate it coming off the top rope. Um, I just know they keep adding guys. And I, oh, man, are you sure? Let me double check. 50th yeah. overall, second round pick. You're right. I thought he was a first rounder. My bad. E- either way, they've added another. I think, first- I think he was one of those players in his draft year that was like a borderline first rounder. He he's one of those guys that like some scouting services had him ranked like 28 to 30, and some had him ranked like 75 to 80. Like yeah, yeah. Th- those kind of players. So now they have so instead of having like eight first rounders in the system in an AHL, they've got like nine now because they've added yeah. uh, Liam Foodie. Um, and, I, and I think the. The the thing that's interesting about Trotz and the way he's using the waiver wire, I mean, I think in the last, what, five years of David Poyle's tenure, he claimed two players on waivers. I don't know what the numbers were for his his totality. Probably 10 or less, I would say. And Barry Trotz, first month into the season, he's already claimed two. But what, what's interesting is the two players he claimed, first and second round picks, both 23. They're young players that, and with a change of scenery, a different coaching staff, you could maybe squeeze some more of the potential out of them. I think Alex Doherty wrote a story this morning about Barry Trotz talking about this. And he said that he's, he, one of the things that was interesting in that story was that he used, he was looking at the COVID year because a lot of players, a lot of these high draft picks, they essentially didn't play hockey that year because there was nothing going on. They weren't in the NHL, so they didn't play an abbreviated season. And they they just basically took a year off from hockey basically. So they get on these teams and they're hoping they'll make the team and there's not room for them and they have to expose them to waivers to send them back down to the, to the minor league. So they're available. I think someone like foodie, I don't know if he's going to be a top six forward, but his speed, he could be an asset on the penalty kill with just how much he pressures opposing forwards and, and just how much like the, the fear that other players see or the fear that you can see in other players when they're on, when they're on the penalty kill because of how fast and how quickly he can turn a play the other way, go up the ice and a breakaway. I think that's an asset that they've been missing on the penalty kill. So I think he's someone that could that could pay dividends. We saw Fagimo and how good his shot is. Like these are two players that are 23. You're getting them kind of on the beginning of their career. You get Andrew Burnett coaching them. You get the coaching staff get their hands on them and, and do whatever they want. Like I think this is something that Barry Trotz will it will probably become a hallmark of what Barry Trotz is as a, as a general manager. And the story that Alex wrote, he basically said, look, these guys are basically free draft picks. Like, if we claim them, put them on the roster, they work out great. If they don't, we expose them to waivers and they go back to another team. And if they don't, and if they clear waivers, they go down to Milwaukee, they get in your system, they get more of your coaching. It's a win-win for the franchise. And it's something that David Poyle didn't do that I think Barry Trotz wants to kind of take advantage of. And he said that he planned for this. He said that he... Because NHL teams are allowed up to 50 contracts per season. I think Barry Trotz said he stuck around the 44, 45 contract uh, limit for a reason because he wanted to give himself some of these opportunities where there's going to be talented players that are exposed to waivers. And the jury's still out. We've only seen Fagimo in two games. He looks like he can be good. Foodie is very fast. We'll see how he kind of fits in. But this is something that not a lot of general managers have done. And I think Barry Trotz could be a trailblazer in the sense of, of using the waiver wire this way to try to improve your roster. But like you said, it also says a lot about your roster that you that yep. this is even a possibility because if your roster was rock solid, you wouldn't need to think about using the waiver wire like yeah, this. So. Yeah. The, the only reason Fagimo is on the waiver wire is because the Kings are too good. 
Yeah. So, so like and they have a be, lot of really talented young players that yeah. they think are better than Fagimo was. Yeah. And so like, again, it's a great, I, I'm with you a little bit of a change of strategy, a little bit of a change of philosophy, willingness to say yes to new things, try new things, free draft capital, et cetera, et cetera. That's all great, but you don't need to do that. If you have a very talented roster now, Dallas and Colorado at time of taping have not lost a single game. So, so that's not going to continue, but they have zero. Lo- they've played like 14 games, zero losses. So like, let's just be, we have to be realistic with where this team is relative to where it wants to be next year or the year after where you're competing with the top teams in the division for a division championship. That is the goal. And this team taking players off the waiver wire and putting them on the power play and watching them score goals is great, but it tells you everything you need to know about the depth of the roster. So they, they are ha- every th- single thing, every episode I'm probably going to come on here and say, patience is a virtue. They are working it through. It is going to take time to figure out who belongs, who doesn't, where they belong, how they fit in, for the system to sort of solidify itself. And then and then just it it just take it's just gonna take time. There's young players that need to develop. I expecting this team to compete for a playoff spot, I think, is as the high as the ceiling should go, in my opinion. So if you want if you I'm want at. two nuggets to kind of hold on to, a little bit of hope, I guess. Like you said, it is gonna be up and down. There's there's gonna be Weeks where we come on and we talk about a, a great week of hockey and two or three wins. There's going to be weeks where we come on and we talk about bad games like last night. But two things I think that kind of maybe keep this in in context a little bit. The Predators are tied for 11th in the league in goals scored. They've scored 20 goals. That that was pretty surprising when I looked it up. I know that they the offense has been pressuring and they've had chances, but they're 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 one or two goals away from being in the top 10. And the power play ranks 14th. Their power play is clicking at a 20.7 that's something we haven't been able to say for at least a couple of years. There was that one year with John Hines when Ellie Tolvin was on there and they were really good, but a, a power play that ranks in the top 15 and, and is, is over 20%. I think if you were a Predators fan at the beginning of the season, someone said seven to 10 games in, that's where the power play would be. You would take it. I, I think if you told me that the team finished 14th in goals scored and power play percentage at the end of the season, which is basically average to, to just like a smidge above average, I, I think every single Predators fan should take that to the bank in two seconds. Two seconds. So I, I agree. Now, which brings us to which of these players and which of these stats are sustainable. Tommy Novak is shooting at a 30% clip. That that is not gonna that is not gonna be sustainable. Yeah. Well, so That's well, let's sustainable. we've got Colton Sissons, we've got Evangelista, we've got some of the stars, we've got defense to get to, we've got UC Saros, we've got a lot of stuff to get to. So we'll go, we'll work through each and every one of these players and give you, hey, here's what we can expect. Here's what your expectations should be. And what are the ceiling for some of these very young and and potentially very talented players? So we'll we'll get to we'll, we'll get to that. But first, gotta remind everybody the gold standard is brought to you by. If you don't know Jaspers by now, then I can't help you. It's Jaspers. It is absolutely Jaspers. It is the next evolution of the sports bar. There's no reason to go downtown. Go park on West End for free. You walk in. It's well lit, obviously. The food is great. TV's everywhere. For you cord cutters, if you need a place to watch the Preds, they have great specials. Home and road games for the National Predators. Go in there. Great beers and great burgers. They got a cocktail called the Gold Standard. I showed my seven-year-old, and I was like, look, you being born and this menu right here with the Gold Standard logo on it, which is a bourbon drink at Jasper's, the two crowning achievements of my life. Somehow, the seven-year-old unimpressed. Completely unimpressed. But you know what? 
It's life as a parent. What are you going to do? The food is great. The salads, the pizzas, the flatbreads, the entrees. You can go for happy hour. You can go whatever. It's just, it's awesome. It's great. The grab and go market. A great dessert menu as well. Pick yourself up a little slice of cheesecake on the way out if you want, you know? Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Go to Jasper's. It's a great place to go. All right, let's get into some of the let's get into the ceiling of some of these players. Uh, before we do that, actually, real fast, I forgot to 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 ask you quickly, Cody Glass. How, how concerned are we about Cody Glass? Uh, before we get into the ceilings here, I don't think very concerned. I mean, prognosis seven to ten days. Clearly, it was a knee injury. I think is one of those things. Again, this is just based off of watching the play that we think it happened on. I think he probably had some pretty fierce swelling and bruising. I think it's one of those things where they're like, hey, take two weeks, ice it, elevate it, stay off of it as much as you can, and then come back and see where you're at. So if it was if it was going to be a long-term injury, I think they they wouldn't have given the seven to 10 day designation. We would see kind of like what they did with Luke Shen, where they give us a, a, a few week timetable of how long he's going to be out. So I think I think it'll be fine. Um, again, I'm not a doctor, so I'm just kind of speculating here, but I, <laughs> I do think it's something where he'll be back probably in the next two weeks and I think he'll be fine. Yeah. No, no IR stint, of course. And when you have a guy like Colton Sissons who can score, lead the team in goals as your second line center, you, you should be good in the short term. There, there are a lot of interchangeable pieces on this team. There's, there's no question about that. When you start to look at the lineup and how guys are going up and down, which is sort of the whole point of Andrew Brunette's, uh, sort of system. So uh, let's take a look at some of these guys like Colton Sissons is not a young guy. I do think his skill set is is suited for this type of game because he can be asked to do different things. Like if you want him, you know, I think they were, you know, if, if you're up three to three to one in the third period and you've got a penalty kill, like you want him out there to kill the penalty and to play great defense and to and and to to lock down somebody in front of the net or whatever. But like also in a system where you can be more aggressive, we know that occasionally he's got the ability to score some goals. And so do I think he's going to be the leading goal scorer? Do I think he can take set a career high with goals? Like, I don't think that's the proper ceiling for Colton Sissons. But I think in the short term, filling in for a guy like Glass as a second line center, I think he absolutely has the skills to do those things in a short period of time. Yeah. And I it feels a little weird saying what what's the the ceiling on Colton Sissons. The guy's 29. He's been around, seems like for a decade and a half. Like he feels like one of those players that's just kind of been there as long as the franchise has been there. Um, but I mean. Four goals to the first seven games. Like, I do think that is encouraging. I think his career high was, what, 15 goals a couple of years ago, right around the cup run. Um, I don't think he's ever really scored more than 30 points in a season um, in the NHL. But I do think if you go back and you look at kind of what he did in Milwaukee, 25 goals and 42 points one season. He had, what was it? He had another 40 goal or 40, excuse me, 40 point, 20 goal season. Like, he is capable of of scoring at that pace. I just, I don't think... Again, I was kind of halfway joking when I said if the Predators keep him on the second line, he could flirt with 20 goals this year. <laughs> um, I don't think he's going to be a second line center or a second line forward for much of the year. I think it's just kind of where he is right now. But he he is capable of that. I do think I think around the 15 to 20 goal mark is, is kind of feasible for Sissons this year. Um, 15 it, is 15 is his career high. He's been in double digits only twice. Yeah. As, as a 30 year old player, he's only been in double digit goals twice, which is 12 and 15. And then he's had 30 points, as you mentioned, twice. I, I, 
And that's the thing with him too. He, he is capable of that. That's just not the role he's been asked to fill. He's been asked to be the grinder, kind of the driver of of the defensive lines to go out and shut down the opposing teams, you know, top line or second line or whatever. He hasn't really been asked to be kind of a goal scorer. So I think, and Barry Trotz and Andrew Manette even have even alluded to this. He's, he's kind of a Jack of all trades. He can play wherever you want. He can play all three forward spots up and down the lineup. That's the role that he, that he's been asked to fill. So if you need him to go out and give you 10, 15 goals, he can. That's just not what he's been asked to do. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think uh, I think he could set a career high in points and get to double digit goals. And I think if he does that at his age and number of times, the amount of time he's been in the organization, I think that would be a spectacular season for him. I think the most important part of Colton Sisson's ceiling is that he can do all he can play as many roles as you need him to throughout the course of the season as the roster calls for it. I think that's what matters with Colton Sisson's. Um, all right. Let's go to Tommy. Let's go to Thomas. Tommy Novak, five points, four goals. He scored a bunch last year. Okay. This is a guy who, you know, we, we talked all offseason about it's probably not sustainable. He's probably not going to score at that pace. He's had 13 shots, four goals, and 13 shots. Just to give you some perspective, Philip Forsberg has 33 shots and one goal for a 3% shooting percentage. There is <laughs> so no. What I hear ch- is Tommy Novak is better than Philip Forsberg. Sure. <laughs> That's, that's one way of listening to what I just said. Uh, there is no chance that one stays at 30 and one stays at three. So let's just be, it's just simple math at that point. Um, can Tommy Novak get to, what? what is the ceiling for Tommy Novak? I think it's it's around 18 to 20 goals and probably 50 to 60 points. I think wow. that's reasonable for him. Especially 60 points. I think especially with the way they're using him. Granted, yes, he technically is on what you would call the third line, but he's playing with he was playing with Tomasino and Evangelista. Now it's Sherwood and Evangelista. He's got the playmaking capabilities. I think he's someone who could potentially if glasses out maybe a little bit longer. He's someone who could really take hold of that second line center job and kind of hold on to it. Four goals, five points through seven games. I think I calculated last night based off of how he performed last year in the first seven games of this year over an 82 game period. And I know this is kind of armchair GM stuff, but that's a 29 goal, 68 point pace. I don't I don't think that's feasible for him. I don't think he's going to keep that pace up. But I'm just saying ever since he was called up last December, like this is the pace he's scoring at. I don't think he's going to be uh, over a 20 goal score, even close to 30. I think 18 to 20 is about where he'll, he'll fit in. But look, if if David Leguan and Martin Erak could put up 50 points a season consistently, <laughs> Tommy Novak certainly can with, with the talent that he's playing with. I, I think 18 goals, 32 assists, 50 points would be an exceptional year. And here's what's interesting about his current pace, right? Like his pace last year, 0.84 points per game. This year, 0.71. It's actually already regressed. And he's still leading the team in goals. But if you look at last year too, he had 17 goals in 51 games. That's why that's why I'm I'm not afraid to go up into the 20 goal mark because 17 goals in 51 games, 43 points in 51 games like. And again, that's a ridiculous pace for someone who wasn't even, you know, a first or second round pick. He, he's not Luke Evangelista or Tomasino or anything like that, but I think this kid is legit. I think we can stop asking was last year a one off is Tommy Novak a fluke? I think I think around the 18 to 20 goal mark consistently and the 50 to 60 point mark consistently is what we're looking at. Some teams, that's a third line center. Some teams, it's a second line center. Man, that would be an absolute gold mine if he could deliver that. He shot, by the way, 18% last year. And again, 
more points per game last year than his current pace this year, and he's leading the team in goals. So, like, he's already come down 13% or, or, or 0.13 points per game, meaning it's already regressed some, and he's still where, where he's at, which is leading the team in points right now. Do I expect him to lead the team in points? No, that should not be his ceiling. Maybe I'm a little lower than you, but not by much. 18 goals, 50 points. I think that's a good... If, if he hits those numbers, I think that's a really good season. And it will have validated what he did last year. No question. And I think something you got to keep in mind, too, is he kind of, towards the end of the year down the stretch, he kind of played a second... He kind of played a top six role. If they keep him on the third line and he's yeah. only getting 10 to 12 minutes a game as opposed to 14, 15, 16 on the second line, that'll obviously affect his, his scoring output as well. But I think it's, it's a good problem to have if you're the Predators. All right. So I'm going to ask you... This is going to be a harder question to answer. Even... I struggle to answer this question, articulate exactly how I will define success, because I, I don't think this is a guy who is going to have 60 points, 70 points, be a 30 goal scorer. But Luke Evangelista has three points through seven games. He's playing 14 minutes. Uh, he's got 15 shots. So it's kind of in the middle there. He's shooting about 7%. I, I In just seven games, I am ready to put the ceiling on this kid at like one of the best players on the team by the end of the year. His IQ, as we've talked about, is off the charts. His ability to make plays and just create opportunities for himself, for other people, his passing ability, the, the way he sees the ice, that there is I'm I don't know what there is not that there's like he is one of the most enjoyable players on the team already to watch play with the puck. And I don't know what that means statistically. I don't know what that means point production. But like to me, at the end of the season, the ceiling of all these players for Evangelista is off the charts in my book. Yeah, I think he's... It kind of reminds me, and I, I don't want to... I want to be careful with this comparison because I will either piss a lot of Preds fans off or I will lose a lot of Preds fans. I think the ceiling for him this year is very similar to Kevin Fiala in 2017 when Fiala had 23 goals and 48 points. I can see Evangelista somewhere around their goal total. I think I think 50 to 55 points would be the highest I would go for him this year. And that just depends on where they put him as well. But I kind of see him playing a similar role and having similar production to that 2017-18 year with Kevin Fiala where the first time he had 20 goals is the first time he had more than 20 points in a season. I, I, I do agree with everything you said. Luke Evangelista has a really high hockey IQ. He knows where to be. His positioning, that goal he scored the other night after breaking his stick and getting the, the new one from Pete Rogers, like that's the kind of fun and exciting dimension that he adds to the Predators. And, and look, last year, 24 games, seven points or seven goals, 15 points. That's pretty stable production. I think that translates to roughly 23 goals over an 82 game season, 50-ish points somewhere around there. I think that's what you can reasonably expect from him this year. I don't think that's his ceiling overall. I do think he has 25 to 30 goal potential, 60 point potential long term, maybe two or three years from now. But I think this year, definitely 20 goals is doable. 50 points is doable for him. I'm going to do something that I don't normally do in any sport on any show about anything. And that is like with tremendous hyperbole overreact to a short sample size. <laughs> I cannot think of a player that does what he does for this franchise in like 15 years. And again, I'm doing a lot of projecting hyperbolic overreaction to, to some skills, but I cannot recall a winger who can drive play 
who can handle the puck, who's sort of like that. They're not undersized isn't the right word, but like they're not they're not the true power forward the way Philip Forsberg is. They're like I agree with your comparison to Fiala because of size and sort of skill, but Fiala had no understanding of the game. Like get back on defense, dude. Like he had to be yelled at. Uh, to me, the game is slow for Evangelista. Like he sees the game in like fast forward, and that is unlike any winger. I cannot feel like Craig Smith is sort of a, a a charging, shooting, scoring winner. Winger, you got Joe Hansen, who's like the handsy, tooly, big, massive, burly center. Like you can think of all these guys. Like I cannot think of a player that again. I, this is what's going to sound crazy. I think you have to go back to Korea to think of a player that has those kinds of skills. Am I crazy for saying that out loud on a podcast? <laughs> I don't think you're crazy. I who's the other think, guy that that fits that that mold of a player? I think it's a little bit of a lofty comparison saying go sure. back to Korea, but I mean it's not it's not completely far fetched. I think the only other player that they really have in the system that would be somewhat comparable right now is Joachim Kemmel, and Kemmel's more of a pure goal scorer than he is the crafty playmaker. That's that's really what Luke Evangelista is. He's like the ultimate playmaker. He can score goals himself if he needs to. He sees the ice and his vision, just the way he sees a play develop before it actually develops is, is NHL level right now. He's got a really good shot. He's really good at finding his teammates when they're open. He's really good at, at, at driving a play and forcing a play open, if that makes sense. Like just the way this kid sees the game is, I think, is probably unmatched compared to any other prospect forward prospect they've had, had in the roster. Uh, think about players who are established on the team for the last 10 years. Who who comes to mind when you think of his his type of game? I can't think of anybody. I mean, Arvidsson scored goals and and had like a great IQ, and but he was like he was all about the hustle and the work ethic and the drive and the gritty stuff and like the, it's effortless with Evangelista. I think the that's the thing. There's no there's no one player that has all of the skills Evangelista does. You can take a little bit of Arvidsson, Forsberg, Fiala, a little bit of Craig Smith. You can you can take bits and pieces from different players they've had on the roster. But I don't think there's any one player that has the complete skill set that Luke Evangelista does. And I'm not saying like he's the best forward ever. He he clearly has the potential and has the upside and everything that you said. If he puts it all together, it's going to be a little bit of a process. I think in two to three years, if he does put it all together, we could be talking about an absolutely fantastic top six forward for this team. It just kind of depends on how his development plays out, adjusting to Andrew Burnett's system, the guys he's playing with. I think if he's playing on a line with Novak consistently, then yeah, I like his chances of, of reaching his potential because Novak is is Novak's one of those guys that can play really well with anybody you stick him with. And Luke Evangelista is a playmaker that can make plays with pretty much whoever he's working with. I know it's putting the cart before the horse and putting too much pressure on a young kid and all this other stuff. I just cannot like when I think of the great players in the NHL that end up being franchise building blocks, a lot of them don't do just the one thing great. And I, and I, I again, I understand that I am talking out of my rear end when trying to use Connor Bedard's and the Sidney Crosby's and the guy, like the guys who you build, you build rosters around the Colorado players with McKinnon and Landeskog and, you know, Taves and Kane and like these, these generational guys. He, I am not suggesting he's on that level. That is not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is I cannot recall a player in a Preds uniform that I feel like sees the whole thing 
executes the whole thing, can do it all, and has the skill to be a top six winger. I, I just can't remember a guy that, that I look at and watch and go, that guy could be one of the best that they've ever had. And I, I know it's early. I know it's early, and I'm overreacting. I acknowledge that. I think it could also be a byproduct of there haven't really been a lot of guys that were drafted or acquired by this team that have even had that kind of potential. So exactly. exactly. It, it could be something like you finally see a guy that has that sort of upside that you're maybe like, okay, this is this could be this could be the guy. Yeah. I mean, looking back, I know they didn't draft Philip Forsberg, but Philip Forsberg and Kevin Fiala are really the only two guys you can point to that have kind of even been remotely in that discussion of, of being guys that could be the guy. Honestly, like Martin Erat, it might actually be in the conversation too. Um, Yusuf Parsonen, what's the upside? What's the ceiling for Yusuf Parsonen? To me, that's a tough one because look, the top line I think as a whole, like playing together, has played really well. And Parson, I think, definitely playing with Forsberg and O'Reilly, that's probably the best situation for him. Two goals, three points in seven games. He's he's getting about fifteen and a half minutes a game. We saw or. Well, didn't see, but in practice line rushes today, Cole Smith was on that top line and Parson wasn't even skating. So, and that doesn't mean anything that that could very much change in practice tomorrow. I, with him, I think he's got the 20 goal, 45 ish point potential. I just don't know if he's, if he's going, I don't know if he's in the right situation to reach that potential because, and I, I feel like he's almost, if hopefully I don't lose people here. I feel like he's almost a, a victim of his own, I don't want to say success, but of just how good he is at everything. The fact that he can play on the penalty kill, he can play on the power play, he can check, he can back check, forecheck, he can do yeah. pretty much everything, defensively, offensively. The fact that he's so good and you can plug him in anywhere, I think it's going to be awfully tempting to move him away from that top line, which I think is where he'll have his most success, and maybe put him on the third line to give that line a little bit of, bit of a boost. So... Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if I, I do think he gets double digit goals and I think he's he's at minimum 35 points this year. Um, but I, I think it just kind of depends on where they put him and who he's playing with. If they keep him on the top line, absolutely. I think 20 to 25 goals is reasonable and 45 to 50 points. I'm, I'm going to use like a very vague term here to describe his ceiling. If he is the top line winger and he is, I'm going to say productive, good enough to stay in that role. I think he, he will have reached his ceiling, which is a top six winger. <laughs> I I I think if Yusuf Parsonen is your top six, if you is is your right winger on the top line for most of the season, I think I think he will have reached his his ability. Like I think in a good way. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. So, yeah, I think he look. He's someone you want to root for. He's a really good kid. He's he's improved greatly over the summer from where he was last year to this year. Being a seventh round pick, the fact that he's even on the roster and he's playing a top six role is is somewhat impressive in itself. Yep. Uh, stay healthy. I, he also needs to stay healthy. Yeah. I just I'm not buying you so Parson as a top as a full time permanent top six forward. I, I, I think, think that's I think that's that what is, I'm I think that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I think his skill set is more conducive to the bottom six. And look, there's nothing wrong. You need every team has a bottom six. That yeah. doesn't mean you're terrible. That doesn't mean you're the Yannick Weber of forwards. Like I think Yuso Parson, his skill set with as good as he is defensively and how he can be on the penalty kill and just how frustrating he is to opposing forwards and defenders. I think that skill set fits better in the bottom six. 
just like Jakob Trennan. Jakob Trennan is the same way. He scored 17 goals two years ago. He has clearly he has offensive upside, but he works better when he's out there just pissing other people off and checking people and winning puck battles as opposed to going out and trying to score goals. And I think that's kind of what Yusuf Parson's skill set lends itself to. Well, Jakob Trennan leading the team in hits right now uh, with 20, of course, and um, 16 shots on goal. Uh, among the top players, I think he's the the top forward in terms of shots on goal. So he's been on the puck in the offensive zone and doing his job in the physicality department as as well. So um, I, there's a lot of guys. We could keep going here. Fagimo, I, I want to get to the defense here real quickly uh, before we move on, though. I want to I, I said I did this last week on the on the show. I don't know who you played this week, but I want to I should have started the show with this. I got to apologize. I whipped Gover's ass last week in fantasy hockey. I just want to point that out. <laughs> just want to point that out. I, I I took a big L in week one. I admitted it. And I will admit all of my losses, which there probably will be many this year. But I just want to point out, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. Jeremy K. Gover, I own you. Dominated in fantasy hockey league. Take your victory lap. I don't I don't know who I Where who are I you played. at? Uh I don't know. I haven't checked in the last Come couple on. Of days. I know. I, I've had a lot going on. I haven't checked the last couple of days. I will say, I don't remember who it was. If you offer me a trade for Leon <laughs> and you're not giving me Connor Bedard or, Con- or not Connor Bedard, Connor McDavid back, the answer is no. What's your name? I, What's your team name? Yak of all trades. Oh, 11th, 11th place right now. Okay. Yeah. I'm not the, so great at fantasy hockey. I'm, I'm better at fantasy football, but this, just, this, just out there. If you're, if you're trying to offer a trade for <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl, unless you're giving me Connor McDavid, I'm not giving him up. Uh, Gover's in last. I beat him eight two to one last week, and the Evangelisticals, uh, which is appropriate considering we just got done talking about how much I'm obsessed with Luke Evangelista. The Evangelisticals, uh, in fifth place in the fantasy league. Just want to point that out. So for those of you who listen, who listen and are a part of the league, we appreciate you. Gover, you suck. It's all your and fault. If, you, if you're in the league and you're playing me, you're welcome because my team I don't think is very good. Well, I, I, I'm, just, I'm one of those. I'm one of those play those guys that I'm like. I know a lot about hockey and I know all the stuff. But putting together <laughs> a team, just like with fantasy football, I know way too much about football to be bad at fantasy football. But oh, yes, I know happens. I don't know anything about any of the other teams. That's the problem. I, I like. I've got guys on my team I've never heard of because I'm, I'm so focused on the Preds. I'm just watching the Preds. So that's that's what I care about. Okay. All right. Anybody else you want to get to the defense and UC Saros here, or do you have anybody else yes. you want to talk talk about in terms of the ceiling? Because I don't think Kiefer, well, Kiefer Sherwood, I guess I could ask about Kiefer Sherwood because he's scored in back-to-back games. Um, is Kiefer Sherwood, what's Kiefer Sherwood's ceiling? Because even the, even listening to the coaching staff talk about him, it's like, look, he when he plays a certain style and he plays with pace and tempo and effort, he's earned his way on. He's a great story. But like nobody ever really talks to him like he's a guy who's going to consistently have a roster spot for the entire season. Maybe he proves everybody wrong, kind of like Cole Smith might be doing. I, I don't know, but I don't have a lot of expectation for Cole Smith or Kiefer Sherwood. But I like what they bring to a team that currently is, you know, claiming players off the waiver wire to put in the lineup. So, well, that's because Kiefer Sherwood is 28 and he hasn't found a full time NHL role. So it, it kind of he's that he is what he is. Look, his best season came last year and he only played 32 games, but seven goals, 13 points. He, he had two years with Colorado. And look, with his skill set and how fast he plays, if he had two years in Colorado and he couldn't find a role, even in the bottom six there, I don't want to be rude, but I think that the writing is kind of on the wall. And look, Kiefer Sherwood, he plays with a lot of tempo. He plays with a lot of pace. He's very fast. Like He's someone who could, who could lead a charge and be offensively aggressive and all the things that should work in Andrew Burnett's system. He's never had more than seven goals in a season. He's never had more than 13 points in a season. He hasn't 
he's, he's had what two seasons where he's played more than 30 games. I just don't think he's an NHL forward that sticks around full time. I think yeah. he's someone that gives you 20, 30 games and then he's on to the next team and he gives them 20, 30 games and he's on to the next one. I, I think he fills a role for now, but if Fagimo pops off or if Liam Foodie is someone that kind of takes off and fits in with the team or if Philip Tomasino gets his act together and gets more playing time, I think he for sure, what is the guy that gets benched because of it? Hmm. I, I will say not being good enough to start in the top six or nine for Colorado means you might be good enough to start in the top six for Nashville. I just want to point, just want to point that out that you might've learned some stuff and then brought that tempo to Nashville. And if you're the 12th forward for Colorado, that might make you the seventh forward for Nashville. Just, just, I mean, that's to, a fair point. Willing I, to point I, that out. The, the frustrating thing with Sherwood is he's, he's almost too good for the AHL, but not good enough for the NHL. Yeah. What do you do with a player like that? No, I think there's a level of desperation at that age. If you've not stuck around and earned yourself a starting spot, like there's a level of desperation that will, you can use in a system that plays with pace and tempo. But at the same time, you probably, if you were going to be a great player or a starting player, you probably would have already earned it by now. So it's one of those where like, take the success while you can and enjoy it. Again, the Gordie Howe hat trick. That's cool. Like it was a great pass. It was an awesome pass, like uh, across the ice and just a little tap in. And like, it, it was, it, it, he had a great sequence there in the second period against San Jose. It was great. Um, so enjoy you know those. What? He, enjoy he those would moments. be an excellent top six forward in San Jose. <laughs> Probably right. Uh, okay. UC Soros leading the league in games played, minutes played, everything already. He's played every, he started every single game. <laughs> Uh, some of that's a function of the schedule. Of course, I assume he'll start again on Saturday because he's going to have three days off. So there's plenty of rest days. It's not worth getting overly worked up about, but I think it's willing to like the numbers are actually around his careers. If you look at his career save percentage and goals against, he's he's actually kind of around those numbers. I think it's two, five, eight and, and around a nine, 10, nine, 19 ish is his career, but nine, 10 is what he's doing right now. So it's a little below he, you know, I think I'm not worried about UC Soros. I think the question is, is, is he getting enough support from the defense now that Luke Shen is out? He's definitely not. And I don't know how much Luke Shen would factor into this to begin with. The very first game he played was not very good, but it's one of those things like we've all talked about how Andrew Burnett's system affects the offense and the forwards and everything. We haven't really gone into discussion about how that new system affects the defenseman. And I think a part of that that is a little bit underrated is up until now, a lot of these defensemen probably haven't had the kind of conditioning they're going to need to be successful in a system like Andrew Burnett. And, and that was something I noticed with Luke Shen in the very first game. And that's something I noticed a little bit in training camp. He looked really winded really quickly. And look, Roman Yossi can probably keep that up because Roman Yossi's all over the place and he's everywhere, covers every inch of the ice. I don't know if Ryan McDonough, as old as he is, can play that way and it's sustainable for 82 games. I don't know if Dante Fabro and Alex Carrier can keep up that kind of pace for 82 games, given that they're kind of jerked all over the place. Who knows where they're going to be top pairing, third pairing, wherever. It's it's one of those things that... And, and we've seen it because, look, Saros, again, you, you feel bad for him because you know this is how it's going to be every year. But he, he had the Vancouver game. His save percentage was 875. The Edmonton game, his save percentage was 636. Season opener against Tampa Bay, save percentage 879. But then he also had games with a 96 save percentage and 95. He had a shutout against Seattle. Like, you feel bad for him because the defensive play in front of him has been so inconsistent since he took over as the starter that it's it's almost just like he has to figure that into his preparation for each game now. 
you don't know if you're going to get good predators defense, bad predators defense somewhere in between. And he's having to do a lot. It, it, I don't think it's a good omen. Seven games in, he's already leading the league in every goaltending category, minutes played, shots faced, all that stuff. And it's, I feel bad for him because this is kind of what the predators have been when with UC Saros and net and, Look, his overall save percentage, if you go onto the new NHL edge statistic, whatever you want to call it, it's actually got some pretty good information. Like his, his save percentage is better than league average. All these other things you can go on and look at. It's hard to explain it because it's a lot of graphs and stuff like that. But the, the thing that really kind of stood out to me is that the Predators have allowed was 40 high danger chances against seven games right. in. There you go. Five, five coming directly in the crease and 35 coming within three feet of the crease. That is something that has to change. I don't know if you switch the defensive pairings up. I, I don't I don't know what the answer is because they have realistically with Luke Shen out now, they have seven defensemen when the season started. They had eight. I'm counting Jake Livingstone in this that theoretically could have played. Who who knows what the answer is right now? But this needs to be fixed because if you're if you're allowing 40 high danger shots against in seven games. I don't know what the math is over a full season, but that's not very good. You're hanging UC Saros out to dry and you're asking him to do too much and he can do it because he has done it. And that's just the kind of player he is. But I just, I don't know how that's a recipe for success. I don't know if you change something up with the defense. I don't know if you spend some extra time. I don't know if you work more plays in there. I don't know what the answer is, but Saros has a 725 save percentage on high danger shots. That's not good. Uh, he's also leading the league in losses. So three and four on the season. Uh, yeah. th- the pairings were Barry, who's actually been, he's, who I think again. Did you just say on the season? Yes, on the season. What do you that mean? Is not, that is not proper grammar. No. You can't the, be on the in, season. You say this for, season. For the season? the season? For the season? For the season. For the season. On the season. No, he's got, he's on got. On the season uh, is not proper grammar. He's got 18 goals on the season. That is that is nails on a chalkboard to me. I want to punch everybody I hear. All right, all right, that. all right. Settle down. I can't. I can't. Settle down. Tyson Tyson Berry, uh, who I think could be a trade chip at the deadline. Again, pretty good on the power play, four assists. They had him playing with Lozon. They had McDonough playing with Carrier, and they had Yossi playing with Fabro. Uh, Lozon, I think you know he's been physical. He's been a presence. I don't think he's done a whole lot. I it, it just. I, Shen, I don't think adds a ton to this group, but again, I think I, Lozon's safe simply because he's a left-handed shot right now. Yeah, right. That's what's kind of keeping him keeping him alive in this. Look, you call up Livingstone. Livingstone can play left or right defense. He's he's a little bit more offensive. I'm not saying he's the answer, but I do think that is something to at least consider right now. I I think the key to this system is ultimately any sport in which you are have an offense like this, and it's when the offense and the defenses are on the on the on the playing surface at the same time, which is soccer, basketball, and hockey. If you are going to be a pressure offense in basketball, what do you have to do on defense? You got to get back and and you have to bust it to get back. If you're going to be a pressure soccer team, what are you going to give up? You're going to give up the counter play on 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 defense. It's no different in hockey. If you're going to be a press 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 tempo fast team and pressure and all this other stuff, it is going to force you to play a lot more defense and you're going to leave your goaltender out to dry a little bit more often. Now, I do think that Carrier and Barry and Fabro can play that style. I think it's it's Shen, Lausanne, it's the skating that I'm curious about. And you know who would be a really good fit for this system in the future, maybe two years from now? Tanner Molendyke. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just want to mention that guy's name at least once in every, every episode. 
Honestly, I think Tanner Molendyke at least competes <laughs> for a spot on this roster next year. I heard a little, a few whispers here and there that Andrew Burnett wanted him on the roster this year, and Barry Trotz had to talk him out of it. So I think I think I think Molendyke is someone that absolutely you don't want to put the cart before the horse, like you said, but I think he's absolutely someone who could be at least fighting for a spot on this team next year. I am, I am, I am the conductor of the Tanner Molendyke freight train, baby. I am the conductor. I, I will allow no one in front of me on the train. I am the front row of the roller coaster. I have been there since the beginning, since the first second I talked to him. I this is my guy. This is my guy. All right, we got him into the pod. That's all I wanted to do. Defense. Take care of your goaltender. UC Saros also, you know, it could be a little bit better, but he's he's had he's had some pretty good moments. So I don't think it's his fault that the goaltending statistics are there. And let's see Kevin Lincoln in a little bit more. Okay, like let's we don't want UC Saros doesn't need sixty eight starts this year for the third year in a row. We we don't need that. So, in ju- look, there's no pressure on this season. You don't have you to don't use- you don't have a lot of back to backs either. So there's not really like give Lincoln in a few more starts, take a little bit more pressure off Saros. Do your do your all world goalie a favor and let yeah. him get a little bit of rest. You don't have to run him into the ground because you're not going to win anything this year. So it's okay. <laughs> Go to Jasper's, everybody. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. Uh, great drink specials during Preds games, road and home. Bingo every other Thursday night. So go check that out. It's the second and fourth Thursday of each month. Of course, great and proud, awesome, amazing local sponsor of the Gold Standard Podcast. And order yourself a Gold Standard cocktail as well. Also. Go to Nashville Hockey now. Get yourself a little subscription there. You can all kinds of good stuff, all kinds of news and notes in there with you and the squad at Nashville Hockey now. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, we do appreciate it. Gover's got its all your fault podcast back up and running from the seam in the post. I think that's everything. Did I ha- did I get everything in there? I think so. I, I think will. So. I will say if you are curious about some of the Connor Garland trade rumors and stuff, we have a, an off the record uh, column on Nashville Hockey now. You have to have a subscription to to read that, but Boom. look, four forty nine a month. I think it's oh, thirty nine thirty nine ninety nine for a year. So literally, you skip one dinner or you skip one coffee at Starbucks. You can get a subscription. Uh, Jimmy Murphy has a really good column up there with some insight, uh, some sources telling him some things about the Connor Garland trade request and how that came about. What to what to look for with the Blue Jackets and and what their their approach to some of the trades that you've been hearing more info on the NHL frenzy, the whatever it's called. And if that's going to be, if it's a one-off gimmick or if that's going to be a regular thing and stuff. So if you want some insight to stuff around the league outside of Nashville, go read that, go check that out too. We also have some other predator centric story on centric stories on there as well. Um, one I had this morning about some players taking a se- exception to the fact that Matias Ekholm was ranked very highly in the athletics player rankings. Uh, some, some, Players said some not so very nice things about him. We also have an in-depth story on why Liam Fa- Liam Fody. Sorry, it's very hard to not say Fody, just how it's how it looks. But uh, <laughs> of why Liam Fody could fit in, what to expect from him, some strengths and weaknesses, strengths and weaknesses, and why he may have been a good waiver claim. So everything you want to know about the Preds, we got on there for you. There we you have go. some other stuff around the NHL as well. Uh, there you have it. Here's what I'll say about Connor Garland. I don't know why <laughs> the Nashville Predators. Need a 5'10", 180-pound, $6 million forward who's going to score 18 goals a game. They already have 11 of those guys. I don't think they need another one for that price point. I don't understand. They also don't have a defenseman to move right now. So uh, I, I say, look, this is your team for the year. Develop them and let the chips fall the way they may. That is the whole point of the season. 
lighthearted, enjoy the ride. You don't have to put too much pressure on UC Saros or all these. Yeah, just let it happen. Just let it happen. And we'll see where we are at the end of the year. What what I've been hearing is that, again, this all happened before the Luke Shen injury. Um, I I don't necessarily think Nashville went to Vancouver and was like, hey, Connor Garland, what's up? Like, I don't think they were pressing to trade for him. I think it was more so Connor Garland's available. Let's call Vancouver, see what it would take. They were told it was going to be Dante Fabro and nobody but Dante Fabro. And I get it. He's from British Columbia. It makes sense. And I don't think they would have pulled the trigger, even if Luke Shen was healthy. Now that he's not, that definitely takes him out of the equation. And and look, they claim Fodi. They have Fagimo. I, I don't really think they need Connor Garland. He doesn't really upgrade them in any way. He he would, you trade for him, he would be plugged into the top six. It just, the move didn't make sense from the beginning. I, I think it was more so like Nashville was interested from a standpoint of like, what would it take? Not not more not more so like Nashville's well, interested because they're going to pull the trigger. So and I know Vancouver is willing to pay like thirty percent of the salary or whatever. But like again, what, the Predators are not in buy now territory. Like, come on, yeah. this is ridiculous. Okay, if Connor Garland was was like twenty two and he had had a thirty goal season, that would yes. make sense. Exactly, exactly. See, we're on the same page here. Go to Jasper's Nashville Hockey Now. It's all your fault, podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show. Share somebody. Click. Go to the share it with somebody. Go to your app. Click follow. We really, really appreciate you guys. Now that Pred season is here, we'll be with you all season. So for Michael Gallagher, I am Braden Gall. Thank you for hanging out. We'll talk to you next week.